How you doing, everybody? I was, uh, I was sitting back there, and I'm watching the majority of you sing with your hands raised, Jesus have it all. Jesus have it all. And I, I found myself praying for you and, and just thinking, I really hope you meant that. I, re I really hope you meant that because you know what? Here's the deal. The truth is, if you want Jesus to have it all, he'll accept it. And in exchange, in exchange for all of you, you get to receive his mercy and his love and his grace. And last night we got to see some of you commit your lives to him for the first time. And and I don't know about you guys, but during the during the pandemic, I, I got into um, like nature shows, okay, and. Uh, one of the shows I really got into was this show called Alone. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Alone. And what I found fascinating about the show Alone was that you have these like men and women who are survivalists. Like that's like who they are. And their skill set is that of someone who can survive off the land with very little tools, okay? And in some ways, I feel like that's kind of what we've talked about this week. In some ways, I feel like we've talked about, like Daniel, what does it mean for us to live in a time and a place that, that doesn't accept God? And because many of you have chosen to be followers of him, Jesus himself says, don't be surprised when the world doesn't accept you. It didn't accept me. They killed Jesus. And the invitation from Jesus is that we would deny ourselves and pick up our cross, the very instrument that he was hung on to follow after him. And so to continue with that theme of like a survivalist, there's, there's always that moment on those shows. I don't know if you've, you've watched those or if you guys just like to clap. I can't quite figure you out this week. But there's always this moment on those shows where get it out, just get it out. So there's always that moment on those shows where, where they say like the three most important things that you need to survive in one of those predicaments are shelter, fire, and food. Shelter, fire, food. And so if you watch, stick with me here, stick with me, don't get too squirrely on me, okay? Because I promise you I got something to say. There's always those moments on those shows where like, they're like, okay, and it starts now or whatever. Like they get dropped off, boat leaves, and the first thing they do is they go to find shelter. So they make a shelter if it's a lean-to, maybe they're more skilled, they're like weaving a, a, a roof, you know, whatever it is. And food can usually wait a couple days. Like food can usually wait a couple days. 
But fire is always the next thing that they go to do. And so what you'll see happening is you'll see them like, like go to a tree and like take some of the dead stuff off the tree and then they'll find some pine cones or they'll take out their knife and they'll shave a log down to really like toothpick sized things. And then, and then they sit there with a, a flint, which is usually made of like magnesium, because when you strike steel against it, it creates a spark. And for a lot of you this week, based off the passion and the way that you were just praising God in the back, I see that spark in you. But that spark isn't going to keep you warm for the rest of your days. That, 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 that experience that you had this week is just like that spark that those survivalists have to work so hard to make. And so they make the spark and then they, they put it into what's called a tinderbox. That's all those shavings and, and leaves and pine needles. And then you'll see them just kind of sit there like this. Like if, you, if you've ever seen uh, Castaway with Tom Hanks, it's an old movie, that's okay. Shout out to your counselor and your youth pastor, okay? Uh, but you'll see, you'll see that moment where they just kind of until poof, it, it goes into flame. And I want you to be prepared for what, what life as you go home tomorrow is gonna be like because the faith that you've experienced this week has very much been fanned into flame, but it will not always be that way. It will not always be that way. Like we've studied Daniel. Tonight we'll be in Daniel 9. Turn there as I finish out this story, but, but it won't always be there. Daniel is in exile for 80 plus years. He's enslaved for 80 plus years. He's in a not good situation for 80 plus years. So the notion that if we just do really good for God, he'll make our situation better may or may not be true for you. And I just want you to be prepared that that moment that I saw you just sing, Jesus have it all, that is how you fan the flame as you go home. You're not always going to be a room with 499 other people that are eagerly singing out praise and thankfulness to God. You're not always going to be in a situation where there's a band singing songs to you alongside of you, lifting up praise and glory to God twice a day. There's not always going to be moments where you have your church next to you. There's not always going to be times where someone gets on a two-foot stage and, and tells silly stories. Like a lot of faith, my friend is on you learning how to fan the flame because Jesus is worth it. And so if you're gonna sing a song that says Jesus have it all, I hope in a month that's still your heart's cry. If you're gonna lift your hands and say Jesus have it all, all my life, I hope a year from now when you're back at camp, I hope you remember this week and what God did in your life. And what we're gonna read in a second here is, is, is kind of exactly Daniel giving thanks to God for exactly that. Look in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. It says this. In the year of Darius, son of Xerxes, who was made ruler over Babylon kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. I just want to pause there and kind of break up how I've normally been kicking off our chapel sessions. Those first couple verses tell us a lot about Daniel. And if you want to be someone who, as a follower of Jesus, is resilient in your walk with God, you've got something to learn here as well. Look at what it says. He says, in the first year, there's a new king, another new king for Daniel. 
And then it says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from what? The Bible, the scriptures. And he goes on to write that the thing that he understood based off of his reading of the scriptures is that this, this, this situation that he was in would last him for 70 years. That, that's exactly like us reading John 16, the other night and saying, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus says. The similarity is this. Daniel wasn't surprised when Jerusalem fell because Daniel had been reading the scriptures. Daniel wasn't surprised at his exile in Babylon because God's word had prepared his heart for such a time as that. You too shouldn't be surprised if when you head home, you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because God's word promises it. And so we can't be surprised, nor can we play victim to life's many difficult and hard circumstances. Instead of playing victim to it, we're going to claim victory because we know that God has promised to be with us when things are difficult. Instead of being a victim to things like bullying and persecution as a result of your faith that has just been fanned into flame. We're going to claim victory because you saw people last night move through the threshold of spiritually dead to spiritually alive for all of eternity. And whether your soul and your mind understood it, for those of us who are mature in Christ Jesus, it was a moment where we went, yes, you're real. You're still doing what you've always done. Daniel understood that this circumstance was going to happen because he was faithful to God's word. He says, I prayed to the Lord as a result of this. I prayed to the Lord God and, and, and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and we have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and other ancestors, and to all people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Jerusalem, near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings and princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because you, we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Daniel in this moment is repenting. He's saying, my culture, my people, the society I lived in have turned from you, God. And because of that, it's no wonder that we're experiencing what we are. 
But remember Daniel 1.8? Daniel resolved to do right in the eyes of the Lord. And so he says, Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made, for, uh, who made yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petition of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Daniel writes this beautiful prayer of lament to God. And he does so after having spent most of his life in a situation that was unfavorable, that was difficult, and that was hard. The reason I read that whole prayer to you is to highlight for you one last time that this life is going to be tough. So what will you do about it? This life is going to be difficult. What will you do about it? There's this guy in the New Testament named Paul. I'm sure some of you are familiar with him, but Paul actually writes the majority of our New Testament. Paul writes this book called Philippians. It's one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. And in that book, Paul writes this. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this. I'll read it for you, or you can turn there. The reason I share this passage with you is because Paul shows us what his purpose is amidst a hard and difficult life. And so I'm going to read you these verses, but as I read them to you, I want you to know that this passage and this entire book was written by a guy who is living under house arrest because of his faithfulness to God. That's very similar to Daniel. And in that book, he writes a lot of things. But one of the ones that stands out to the most to me is, is, is this right here in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, listen, I know that I offer nothing good. It's only God who is good in me. And for that reason, nothing can compare to Jesus. Friend, nothing can compare to Jesus. Not a boyfriend or a girlfriend, not success, not straight A's, not a buzzer-beating game-winning shot, not a drug, not an image, not a movie, not a song. There is nothing in this world that can compare to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. What you've begun to experience this week, the spark, the flame, the excitement, the fervor, the passion that you have in this chapel, all of us who are mature in Christ can see it. It's almost like we can feel it. There's not a comparison for that. There's nothing that can replicate that. 
Because it's in that moment that your soul is tapping into the purpose and the passion for which it was made. Remember, Genesis 1, we were made in the image of God to do one thing, to enjoy him. Like God gives us purpose after we've been created. He says, now go and name the animals. But that entire time, God is with us. And it's not until sin enters the equation that, that we now have to deal with the reality of life separated from God. And so Paul wants to remind us, he wants to remind his reader and us today, that nothing can compare to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. He says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's my favorite verse in all of the Bible these days. Because my soul longs to be with Jesus. I wake up some days with crippling anxiety. There are days in the last two weeks where I wake up and I feel so overwhelmed by the weight of the world. And it's in those moments that I have conditioned myself to begin praying and or to open my Bible because that's the only thing that can bring me peace when I take into consideration all of the various things that life has thrown my way. It's as if Paul is saying that here. He says, I want to know Christ. It's this really cool Greek word called genosko. It means both to know and to be known. He wants to know God, and he wants to know that he's known by God. It's intimacy. It's like a best friend. If your parents are married and they have a healthy marriage, it's like what you respect about the way that they love each other. It's to know and to be known. Paul says, I want to know Jesus, and I want to remember that I'm known by Jesus. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Remember, friend, the resurrection is the fullness of God's power on display where he shows us that he has the power to make dead things alive again. And so if there's parts of you as you leave camp that feel spiritually dead, where will you turn? Will you try to mask the pain with things that have no life, that can't save you? Or will you remember that it's Jesus who has resurrection power? It's resurrection power that, that moved in the souls of some of you last night to stand and, and commit your lives to Jesus for the first time. Don't forget who we're talking about. Don't forget who this book is written about. Don't forget who those songs are written to. Don't forget the fact that every person here has access to a church. And based off what I've got to know from the leaders that are here this week, there are churches that have people who simply want to shepherd you into deeper relationships with God. Nothing can compare to that. I almost feel like an old guy when I say, you just don't know how good you have it. Friend, you just don't know how good you have it. You have adults. Look at them right now. Look at your leader. That person is here because they want to see you grow and mature in your relationship with Jesus. That is a gift. That is a privilege that you need to take full advantage of. Text them questions. Ask them what you should be reading. Spend time with them. He then goes on to say, he says that I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. I think I've belabored this point, but remember, suffering is one of those things that has the power to push us closer to Jesus if we handle it well, or to come in between us and Jesus if we handle it wrong. Suffering can and will be the primary tool that refines and shapes your faith the older you get. 
Paul says, I want to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Why? Because Paul knows that nothing compares to Jesus. And therefore, if nothing compares to Jesus, then in this world when I have troubles, what I want to do is I want to press into the faith that I have in God because where else can I turn when life gets difficult? And then he ends it saying this, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. It's as if Paul says this, I want to know Christ, and in knowing Christ, I want to be transformed by Christ, and in the transforming that Christ does in me, I want to see others become alive and awaken to that transformation as well. There's a moment coming when you guys go home tomorrow. It's a moment I have with my kids most days after school. Your parents probably do this to you too. Hey, how was school today? How do you normally answer? It was good. I hate that. I hate that, by the way. I'll just let you into like your parents' minds for a second. They hate it too. Because good, what does that even mean? What does it even mean you had a good day at school? What'd you learn? What was for lunch? Were your friends nice to you? Did you learn things? Was your teacher cool? Were you challenged? Don't get distracted. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. When you go home tomorrow, you're going to have one of those moments. You're going to have a moment when you go home tomorrow and you get off the bus or out of the van and you wheel your backpack with your sleeping bag and its little trash bag up to your parents' car or whoever it is that's picking you up. And that person, be it a parent, a guardian, a friend, whoever's there to to receive you is going to ask you a question. You're going to open the door. You're going to put your seatbelts on. And they're going to go, so how's camp? Hold on. Hey, don't, don't let me lose you, because I, I, I have a big concept here I want you to learn, okay? I love that you're engaging with me, but I, I want you to hear this. There's going to be a moment where someone says, how is camp? And you get to respond in a way that exposes them to what God did in your heart and in your mind and in your life this week, or you can respond with good. You have the ability, the first opportunity you're going to have to share the testimony of what God did in your heart tomorrow, the testimony of a God who transforms, of a God who sustains, of a God who has shown nothing but love for you. The first moment you have to share that story tomorrow is going to be when you get in the car after camp and they say, how was camp? And you can either say good or you can say, can I just tell you what God did in my heart? We had this moment where we were singing and I've just never experienced anything like that before. My counselor said that that's what heaven's like, and that kind of makes me excited, because if that's what heaven's like, I kind of look forward to that. You can say it was good, or you can say, you know, we, we had really challenging conversations around the Bible, and every night after chapel, I got to go back to my room with my, my cabin mates and my counselor, and we got to just talk about, like, what do these things mean? Is it true? What is, what is God teaching you? And here's some things that God taught me. When Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and to share in his suffering so as to somehow attain the resurrection from the dead, Paul's saying that he wants to see resurrection power happen in the lives of people that he loves. Why? Because the goodness of God is too good for you to share and keep to yourself. The good news is meant to be shared. And so tomorrow, you have a chance to share that good news with the people around you. Last thing I'll share is this. When it comes to us fanning that flame of faith, there are some very basic things that we can do to begin growing in our relationships with God. 
And you know what? You've been doing them all week. These things are known as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are, are, are some activities that we see throughout the Old and New Testament that people who the Bible talks about do, and in doing so, they grow closer to God. Things like prayer, things like scripture reading, things like journaling, things like serving others, things like worship, things like celebrating when life goes good, things like repenting or confessing when you've fallen into sin. And sometimes when we hear a list of things that we're supposed to do, it's really easy for our brains to begin to think like, oh, I didn't do all those things, therefore I must be failing. No, 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 no. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. If you miss a day, don't shame yourself. Read your Bible. Give yourself a challenge. For 21 days, I'm going to read my Bible, no matter how much or how little, no matter how big or how small, I'm going to pick a Bible reading plan on the Bible app. It's totally free. I'm going to do it for 21 days. And for those 21 days, which is three weeks, I'm going to go to at least one church gathering a week, if not two. And during those three weeks, I'm going to reach out to my counselor that I had at camp, and I'm going to ask the questions that I get in my mind as I read the Bible, and I'm going to ask them to pray for me. I promise you that if you do those things... You will be tuning your own soul and your own mind to better hear and comprehend and understand the voice of God in your life. If you would like, if you would like to take that moment that you had in worship right before I got up here on this stage home with you, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And so here's what I'd love to do now. I would love to pray for you guys, and I would love to pray for those of you who heard what I said tonight and want to accept that challenge. I want to pray for those of you who this week have been tracking with the messages that we've been sharing, with the overall theme as we've looked at Daniel and his resiliency to remain faithful to God. For those of you who stood last night and, and committed your lives to Christ for the first time, I want to pray for you. For those of you who are nominal, for those of you who are just like itching to get out of this chapel because you're tired or whatever, I want to pray for you too. But it's for those first few groups that I want to pray for you. And if you want to receive that prayer, I want you to stand and just hold out your hands. And the holding out of your hands is simply just an act of accepting. Like if someone were to give you a gift or if someone were to hand you something. And so if you'd like for me to pray over you as we conclude camp... Counselors, students, youth pastors, Hume staff, I'd love to pray a blessing over you that you would take this flame that God has begun to fan in your heart's home, and I would love to do that. So if you'd like for me to pray for you, just stand up and just hold your hands out, and under, out in front of you with a posture of receiving, and that's how we'll conclude our time together this week. Awesome. And so God, I pray that your love and your grace and your mercy would abound in the lives of of every man and woman in this room, of every student, of every, every camper, every counselor, every youth pastor, Lord, for the Meadow Ranch staff, for those that just wandered in here because they heard people having fun. Lord, I pray that your, that your love would grow in their lives. And like that picture we get of people trying to start a fire, I pray that that little ember, that little spark that you've begun to do this week in the hearts and minds and souls of everyone here in this place, God, I pray that through the work of your spirit, you would fan that into flame. 
I pray that in this room, God, that there would be future pastors, future missionaries, future business leaders, future parents, future spouses, future leaders, future friends. God, future people as they grow into adulthood who would take serious faith and who would realize that, God, it's only through the power of the gospel that we have the ability to see any good in this world. Jesus, like Daniel, I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would give resolve to the students in this place to remain faithful to you, no matter what life's many troubles throw at them. I love you so much, God. I thank you for everything that you've given us. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.